0: And now for something completely different. It's a rich, Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money. Markets. Life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors.
1: And good morning and welcome to the Tuesday edition of The Real Investment Show. Of course, as we... Uh, You know, continue to kind of cycle along here in terms of, you know, daily headline news of what's happening in Russia. Of course, from every different possible angle, everybody's got an idea of what should be done and how we should be doing it. And of course, this makes it very difficult, as we talked about yesterday, you know. These headlines are scary uh, in a lot of cases, and it certainly impacts how people feel about markets and the economy and what kind of what's going on in the world. Of course, it doesn't help when you go to the gas pump, you know, to fill up your car. And
2: <laughs> did that yesterday?
1: Yeah, I uh, sent my daughter last night to mm-hmm. go. I said, I said, honey, you better go fill up your car. She's like, oh, I'll do it next week. I said, if you wait till next <laughs> week, gas prices will be more expensive. And so she went to fill up her car. She goes back and she goes. It only cost me eight dollars more than it did last week. And I go, that's eight dollars more you didn't have last week. Yeah. Right? So, that's right. You know, it's it's you know, it's all about context. But you know, look, it, this is just you know the things that we live in. And so the the important thing here is this, is that this is all pushing the economy into a much slower state. And when you start to have these big impacts to high oil prices and and you have to think about how this flows through to the rest of the economy high energy prices don't just impact you at the pump it's not just you paying more for gasoline and that's you know that's that's what we see right that's the that's the visible side of oil prices we see it at the pump When oil prices go up we see it at the pump but higher energy prices impact just about everything that we deal with or use or have or buy Uh, energy prices are either in just about everything that you eat that you consume that you wear that you buy energy prices are involved in every aspect It, it, it is either a direct byproduct of oil and petroleum or it was oil and petroleum that transported that item from point a to point b to get it to you but those costs are part of the product that we're buying now why is this important well this is of course inflation as we've been talking about And of course the fed is very concerned right now about inflation as we talked about yesterday the problem for the federal reserve is that Inflation is now penetrating into the actual consumer, and and the Fed is way behind the curve now. The Fed should have been hiking rates already. <clears throat> and the problem with high oil prices is that's extracting liquidity from the markets. People have less money to spend. So that's the same thing. <laughs> that's the same thing as hiking interest rates. You know, there's this meme going around on, on uh, the Internet about... You know, my wife just said she doesn't love me anymore. And the wife says, I didn't say that. And and he goes, yes, you did. You said I couldn't have another donut. And she goes, that's not the same thing, right? (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of the same thing, same idea here is that, you know, the Fed should have been hiking interest rates, but it's the same thing right now with higher prices and that's extracting liquidity from the markets and so when we look at this and this is all kind of translating back into the financial markets what the financial markets are trying to figure out is just how close to a recession now are we and if we take a look at earnings estimates as an example earnings estimates have not come down much at all they've already started coming down we wrote an article it's on our website today But I've been harping on this since really about the middle of last year when inflation really started to pick up. We said these earnings estimates for 2022, 2023 are way too high and that there's going to be an impact to profit margins. Earnings are going to come down because consumption will slow because consumers only have so much money. They only have so much to spend. And if I'm spending more dollars buying the same amount of stuff, that means I have less money to spend elsewhere and this is always the important function about what's happening within the economy and so what we're looking at now is an economy that is going to probably be in a recession by the end of this year if not the beginning of next year now that can certainly change but right now if everything remains the way it is at this moment high energy prices high inflation those type of things we will be in a recession much sooner than expected because of the impact of inflationary pressures on consumer spending and again the consumer makes up 70 percent of the economy so when you're hitting the consumer right where it hurts right in the wallet they're going to contract spending and then of course it doesn't help when you have all these headlines on television just 24 7 you know there was there was a day you know we were talking about yesterday that we were having a talk with our kids about you know the way it was back when we were growing up and we didn't have Google and if you didn't know what it was you just didn't you just didn't know right I mean just you went through life not knowing whatever that was the problem with today is is that we have in our face 24 7 you know, from every source of, of, of aspect that we have on our phones, from social media to news to, to the Internet, just news hitting us. And, of course, what everybody's trying to do now in the news media is to get your view, right? That's the whole thing. How do we measure the profitability or the viability of a business? It's how many views do they get. What's their traffic? What's, the, how, what's their daily average users? So everybody's trying to get your attention with the most bombastic headlines possible. And, of course, that feeds into the psychology of, oh, my gosh, you know, we're on the the verge of world war. There was a great headline out yesterday. A a financial institution has a graph of the potential for nuclear attack. And, you know, the the nuclear attack line, you can barely see it at the bottom going back like the last 50 years. And then it's this vertical line straight up. And at the very bottom, it says, The the risk of nuclear attack is soared, but buy stocks anyway. Um, You know, why not? (laughs) But that's the point. You know, everything is so scary that it makes, you know, makes consumers hesitate to go make major purchases or to go um, make investments or to go start a business or whatever it is because they don't know what the outcome of this is going to be. And this negative psychology weighs on economic output, weighs on economic growth, and we wind up with slower growth in the future because of it. So that's the real risk here over the course of the next 12 months or so, is that risk of recession coming from that negative impact on psychology. Now again, that can change. If, if you know we figure out some way to resolve the situation between Russia and Ukraine, and this gets past us, um, and the Federal Reserve, you know, kind of backs off of tightening interest rates to a great degree um, and, and we start kind of getting some, some actual good bills passed in Congress that can help support economic growth, you know, take off the restrictions for oil and gas companies so they go back to drilling and start producing. You know, those type of things can keep the economy out of a recession. We may, may slow down a lot, but those are there are things that can be done to avoid a recession, but if everything remains as it is, the risk of recession is rising rapidly right now. Now, yesterday, just real quick before we get to the break, markets did break those lows from January back to October. We're now below that support level. That is a concern. We'll talk about this after the break, what that means, and, of course, what to be doing now with your with your portfolio in this type of a market. It's certainly uh, something worth uh, con- uh, talking about considering the, the concerns. Be right back after the break.
0: Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: FAFSA. FAFSA season. That crucial time of the year when thousands of dollars in financial aid for your college-bound scholar are at stake. Our next free virtual lunch and learn will help you avoid making costly mistakes on the free application for financial student aid, the FAFSA. FAFSA, Thursday, March 10th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next lunch and learn on college planning and dealing with FAFSA season. realinvestmentadvice.com The Real Investment Show.
1: And welcome back to the show. Yes, I'm standing over here. We're, we're going we're to stay with our uh, market set today because I, I do want to go over a, a few things with the markets and money. Again, talking about you know, what's happening in markets. Yesterday, the NASDAQ registered an official bear market, 20% decline. Now, be real careful with that because as we talked about before here on the show, just because a market's down 20% does not make it a bear market. The definition of a bear market is when price trends change, the longer-term price trends. So if you go back to 20, to 2009 and draw a line along the bottom of the NASDAQ, we are nowhere near changing the, the bullish price trend of the market. We're having a, a correction in the NASDAQ as well as the S&P. Bigger in the, bigger in the NASDAQ than in, than, than in the S&P, but still, just a correction. We do not have negative trending prices over the long term right we have not changed from a previous bull market to a bear market and so these these kind of arbitrary indications of oh 10 percent correction 20 percent a bear market really don't have any bearing on today's markets because we are so deviated from long-term means that it will take a massive correction just to get back to the long-term bullish trend much less change that long-term bullish trend from positive to negative so Just keep that in mind. And this is what we talked about yesterday about perspective because, you know, we've had such a huge run uh, from the 2020 lows. The markets are up 115% at the peak. We're still up 89% as of yesterday's close from that 2020 low, right? Still up 89% even after this massive correction that we've had here over the last few days. So perspective, very, very important here. But as I said, uh, importantly, yesterday, we did violate the support levels going back to October's uh, lows. Now, this does put the market in a bit more precarious position because we're currently not on a sell signal and we are not oversold yet. So there is risk here to the downside in the markets. And and I, and I don't want to elude to you to believe that there's not risk here because there is. But having said that, Markets are very, very oversold here in terms of psychology. If we take a look at investor sentiment, things like the CNN fear, greed index, etc., those are very, we're in extreme fear territory. Now, historically, when you have very negative sentiment on markets and a lot of fear, right, we have a lot of fear in terms of emotional fear in the markets from all these headlines that are going on you typically have a a period of a reflexive rally. We've also had two negative months in a row. Having three negative months in a row is possible, but it's more of a rarity. And we're still within the seasonally strong period of the year, which tends to have markets biased to the upside a bit. Now, historically speaking, going back, if we look at periods in history where markets have a 10% correction, you typically have a reflexive rally that takes up about half of the previous decline, so about a 5% advance from where we are, that then either leads to a breakout to new highs or a further decline depending on whether or not the economy is in recession. As I was saying in the first segment, The issue now is with what's happening with inflation, what is happening with interest rates, what is happening with monetary policy, what is now happening with the reversal of liquidity from all that money put into the markets. The risk of a recession have grown markedly over the course of the last couple of months. So right now the odds are starting to stack up on the side that we have a reflexive rally that gets us back to somewhere probably around the 50-day moving average. And then that sets up a deeper decline later this year as we get into a more recessionary drag within the markets. Now, this is, you know, the problem with predicting anything is that things can change. If the economy starts to pick up some steam this year, if earnings begin to recover a bit, if inflation falls and we have a more disinflationary trend in the economy. There's a lot of things that can happen that can change that outlook. And that's the risk of of betting on something really long term in nature because things can change. But right now, with the way things are stacking up, that is kind of the, the overriding risk at this point. But again, even though you could have lower markets in the future, there is a possibility here that we're going to see some reflexive action in the market simply because of the more extreme negative sentiment that's in the market, both in terms of investor fear as well as investor positioning, which has also gotten very bearish. The National Association of Investment Managers, their positioning level has come way down. Allocations by professional investors as well as retail investors has come way down here. Um, um, institutional uh, pension and head fund investments have come way down. So if we take a look at where that positioning is, that positioning has gotten very negative on multiple levels. and that suggests, again, that what you'll have is some type of reflexive action. Now what would cause that reflexive action? Well, that's some type of good news. Some type of news, either there is a resolution, at least some, some some positive talks on resolving the Russia-Ukraine situation. The Federal Reserve coming out and saying, hey, you know what, because of what's happening in Russia, we're going to hold off on rate hikes right now. Uh, we're going to continue our QE program at $30 billion a month for now. And then we'll revisit stuff when we get you know past... You know, what's happening in russia any type of good news like that is going to lead to a reflexive surge in the markets again that doesn't get you back to all-time highs it doesn't repair all the damage that's been done here but it gives you an opportunity to rebalance and re-risk your portfolio accordingly based on how you feel if you if you haven't liked this 10 percent decline well that tells you you've got way too much risk in your portfolio so use that rally to rebalance and re-risk your portfolio at that level. Again, these are the things to be thinking about. Now, a couple other markets I want to look at because, uh, again, these are the ones that are kind of really driving a lot of the sentiment. If we take a look at oil prices, of course, those are continuing to have a big surge here over concerns about supply constraints, production, etc. Now, oil prices are by far and away... Extremely deviated from long term means. We're currently now trading four standard deviations above the 50 in the moving average. Now, again, I know that's a lot of technical kind of mumbo jumbo, but what that means is, and if you can just visualize oil prices as a rubber band, if I stretch those rubber bands as far as I can, they're either going to break or they're going to snap back to their median. And that's where we are with oil prices. Oil prices have gotten so extended that you're going to have to have a correction in oil prices at some point. Now, what would cause that, of course, is going to be a resolution with what's happening with Ukraine and Russia. That's that's what's going to drive that change in oil prices. Um, If we take a look at backwardation. Now, what is backwardation? This is uh, kind of an important term. But when we look at the price of oil for the one month out contract on the futures market, that price is grossly higher than the price of that same contract 12 months out. So in other words, the price of oil is expected to be higher in the next month and lower 12 months from now. So that's called backwardation. And when we have periods of backwardation that are you know, kind of out of the ordinary, Those have typically denoted both a peak in the oil market as well as a peak in in the economy. And right now we have an oil backwardation that is the largest of any other period in history. So that's going to suggest here that we're going to have a peak in oil prices sooner or later. Either through you either break something in the economy (laughs) and have a recession or you get a resolution that begins to relieve these, con- these pressure concerns in the short term and brings oil back down to the longer term contract. But you will get a reversion of backwardation. Historically, backwardations do not last very long. So you, this is gonna be a very short-lived event. So if you're very long oil and betting on higher oil prices, you know, we talked about recently, it's just probably a really good time to start thinking about taking some profits off the table. Doesn't mean sell everything. But, you know, there is going to be a point here where this reversion happens very, very quickly. And if we go back in history and look at periods where we've seen this kind of action before, you'll see that back in 2020, oil prices fell very sharply because of the shutdown of the economy. If we go back into uh, earlier periods in that, every time that we have these periods where you have a reversion in a big spike in oil prices, the decline of that oil price is very sharp in nature. So again, just keeping some things in perspective. Gold prices, of course, that's another area of, of you know issue right now because people are buying a lot of gold and precious metals under the assumption that you know we've got this big problem going on and that there's going to be this crushing of the dollar, et cetera. uh, Like oil prices, um, gold prices also having a very big rally here just over the last few days. Again, just like oil prices now, more than three standard deviations overbought. That rubber band also very, very stretched. Historically, when you have these periods where where gold prices trade at three standard deviations, that tends to be the peak in precious metal prices. So again, as we look at all these kind of different avenues, this is some of the things that are telling you that there is, you know, a real pressure on financial markets. You've got these big deviations in the the fear trades. You've got extreme deviations in in those aspects, gold, oil, precious metals, etc. On the stock side of the equation, you've got lots of deviations to the downside, under the fear that markets are gonna crash and be in a recession. These type of extreme divergences tend not to last for very long and you get a reversion. Now, that doesn't mean they can't revert and then go back again, right? You have a correction oil prices, then another run higher, you can absolutely have that. Same thing with stocks, you can have a reflexive rally, the thing goes lower. But when you have these big divergences on both sides, at the same time, typically that suggests that you have bifurcated markets and you're going to get a reversion back, at least some relaxation of those extremes before the next leg of the move occurs in whatever direction it goes. So when we come back from the break, we'll come back. Well, we've got a lot more to get into this morning, but you know, keep in mind here about perspective and keep focused on the fundamentals and the technicals of the markets and what you own. And make sure, again, as we talked about before, Be careful about one-sided bets. Be right back.
0: The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: That's It's FAFSA season, that crucial time of the year when thousands of dollars in financial aid for your college-bound scholar are at stake. Our next free virtual lunch and learn will help you avoid making costly mistakes on the free application for financial student aid, the FAFSA, FAFSA, Thursday, March 10th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next lunch and learn on college planning and dealing with FAFSA season, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show.
1: And welcome back to the show this morning. So, last night my uh, wife is doing her usual kind of roundup of the day events and she... You know, informed me that we can no longer buy Pepsi products in our household oh. because they have not pulled out of Russia, right? So they are still selling product in Russia, and that's, you know, that's just shouldn't be the case. McDonald's, too, by the way. As so I waited a couple of minutes, you know, a couple of heartbeats, and I said, you know, I'm really thinking we should go get some uh, tacos at Taco Bell this weekend. <laughs> she was like, yeah, that sounds good. I go, yeah, they're Pepsi. <laughs> And she's like, never mind. I go, okay. How about Kentucky Fried Chicken? She's like, okay. It was like, nope. Owned by Pepsi. <laughs> so, you know, you got to be. This is the problem with you know these, uh, you know these kind of things that we get into. And we talked a little bit about this uh, yesterday. Is that, you know, you. you it sounds good in theory that we're going to boycott certain companies because of this, that, or the other thing. And, and you know, when oil prices are high, there's typically always somebody that comes out and says, we need to boycott ExxonMobil, stop going to their gas stations to fill up with gas. You're not hurting ExxonMobil, right? You're hurting the guy that owns that retail store, right? That's your neighbor. And it's the same thing with a lot of these restaurants and restaurant chains and other things is that they may be owned by the evil corporations, but in a lot of cases, these are franchisees. These are your neighbors that own these restaurants, and that's their livelihood. And so when you're boycotting Pepsi, as an example, you're not necessarily hurting Pepsi. You're hurting your neighbor. So it's, it's important the important part about this conversation is make sure you know what you're boycotting, right? And that you're not hurting your neighbor by trying to make a, a virtuous statement. And this is the whole problem with this whole virtual, you know, this virtue signaling that we've been tied up in for the last, you know, couple of years on this woke movement. It all sounds great in theory, but you're in a lot of cases, you're hurting your neighbors. You're not hurting the companies. And it's just, some, just something to remember. So b- before you go boycott something, make sure you know what you're boycotting and make sure you're actually you know, having an impact on the company. Right? <laughs> you know, I'm not going to buy Apple stock. Okay, Apple doesn't care if you buy their stock or not. It has no, no bearing on Apple's outcome, whether or not you personally own Apple stock. Right. Or Exxon Mobil stock or whatever it is. This is and we talked about this before because, you know, all these uh, pension funds, hedge funds, ETFs are like, well, we're not going to own energy companies. You know, they're bad. These bad energy companies are polluting the atmosphere. So they ejected them all out of their portfolio just in time for them to have the biggest run they've had in decades. So, you know, and that's typically the way it always works. It always works that way. In 2020, oil company, nobody wanted to own oil companies. They were bad and they were underperforming and nobody wanted to own them because of the whole pandemic economic shutdown. And we said in November 2020, we're like, hey, we're buying oil stocks. And, you know, it's been a good thing. You know, but this is the part about investing is that you've got to set all that stuff aside and go, what is it that I'm really trying to do? I'm trying to make money. That's what I'm trying to do. And so. Set all the personal emotional stuff aside. And if you, want to, if you want to be green, plant a tree. If you want to impact a company, make sure that you're impacting the company and not your neighbor. Because yes, if we all put our neighbor out of business because we want to try to impact ExxonMobil, ExxonMobil doesn't care if you put the retail store out of business. You hurt your neighbor and his family, and you probably hurt the neighborhood, but you didn't hurt ExxonMobil at all. Those are open another station somewhere else. They don't care, right? So th- these are the things to think about. Just, you know, kind of keep these things in perspective. And I know that we that we want to be active and we want to do things. And, you know, there's ways to do that. Like vote for a really good politician for a change. Be a good idea. That would help a lot, um, and that goes for both aisles, right and left. By the way. Um, anyway, so the the couple of things here as we you know as we kind of you know get into this morning now, futures are pointing up this morning. Now, it was a tough day yesterday, and as I said, you know we did break important support, and I want to try to keep this in perspective because there is risk to the downside here. But a lot of that near-term risk has been run out by the selling, right? We've had just four straight days, you know, almost just four straight days of just selling pressure. So you've wrung out a lot of that real negative sentiment, so you're likely going to get a bounce. And as we've been talking about and doing, you know, every time we have these bounces, we reduce equity risk, and, you know, we take some stuff off the table, and we're going to do the same thing again this time. And we're just going to keep doing this. Every time we have these failed counter-trend rallies, we're just going to keep reducing equity risk. And eventually we'll run out of equities to de-risk, but, you know, that's okay. That's kind of the point because as we work through this, eventually we're going to rally and then break out of this downtrend, and then we're going to know at that point now it's time to start adding equity risk back onto the table, but we're not there yet. So, you know, and this is, you know, so as we talked about repeatedly, be careful here. Because oil prices, gold prices, metal prices, wheat prices, commodity prices, they're all surging, right? They're all showing up on the radars. Everybody wants to pile in and own this stuff, but you're way late to that game. You're way late to that trade. So if you buy the stuff, it's fine. You're likely going to make money here in the short term. Just don't forget to sell it. And as is always the case, it's the point of – Buying is easy, selling is the hard part, and it, it's important that you understand kind of where you are in the dynamic that this will change. It is unsu- This is literally unsustainable because the higher these commodity prices go, these commodity prices are dependent on supply and demand. And when you cramp the economy because of high prices, and as we've said here on the show over the last couple of weeks, the the best cure for high prices is high prices. So we are going to get a reversion. Those reversions historically tend to be fairly rapid. They're not gentle declines. The run-ups are are fairly gentle in most cases. It's kind of the sloping you know, 75-degree angle to the upside. The declines tend to be 90-degree vertical drops, Uh, and that's just the way commodity prices are. They're very volatile, they're very risky, and they don't give you a lot of warning. It's When the end comes, you wake up one morning and oil prices will be down $20. That's going to be your signal. And... If you bought it near the peak, you're going to go, okay, well, as soon as you get back to where I bought it, I'll sell it. It's never going to see that number again. That's the way these reversions occur. The reversions happen just as fast as they run up. They run down faster. There's an old saying on Wall Street about bull markets and bear markets. Bull markets are like taking the escalator, and bear markets are the elevator. Staircase up, elevator down. That's the way oil prices are, like on steroids. <laughs> and it is simply that function. Because once it impacts the economy and the economy halts, that cycle, remember, oil prices are a, a small function of supply and demand. A huge function of the price of oil is people speculating on the price of oil. It's just it's non-commercial speculators in the markets, you know, the big hedge funds, institutions, et cetera, that are buying these futures contracts to gamble. That's the best word for it on higher prices. And so when somebody finally holds their hand up and goes, I'm out. Everybody goes, I'm out at the same time, and prices get crushed, and then you're sitting there holding the bag going, well, as soon as it gets back to where I'll, uh, it was, I'll, I'll sell it. it. You won't see that for a long time, if ever. So just keep that in mind. Just, just remember you're playing with a very if – you're, if you're long commodity companies, if you're long uh, energy, if, you know, long energy stocks, if you're long anything in that category, gold – it's okay. You're likely going to make money with it here in the short term. Just, again, as I said, don't forget to sell because these things do revert very, very, very quickly. One thing that's uh, also going to come up, and we'll, we'll pick up on this in the next break, and we have an article on it out this morning, is talking about the earnings reversion that we are facing. And this is something that we've talked about quite a few times that earnings estimates are way too high. They've got to come down. And what's happening right now with oil prices and energy prices and all that stuff feeds right into those profit margins of these companies. And estimates were already at record deviations from from means that we've never seen before in history. Everybody was way over exuberant of this. And now, because of what's happening with energy prices, we're about to see a very sharp correction in these estimates. And that's going to impact corporate prices as well later this year. Be right back. We'll talk about that after the break. Don't go away.
0: Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. FAVSA.
2: FAFSA season. That crucial time of the year when thousands of dollars in financial aid for your college-bound scholar are at stake. Our next free virtual lunch and learn will help you avoid making costly mistakes on the free application for financial student aid, the FAFSA. FAFSA, Thursday, March 10th at noon. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next lunch and learn on college planning and dealing with FAFSA season. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
1: So as we get ready to kind of get today underway, of course, uh, teachers are trying to Turn positive here, just a little bit. Dow futures up about 51. Uh, Nasdaq futures are flat-ish, a little bit negative. Uh, S and P futures are slightly positive. So again, market's just trying to really uh, hold on to those lows from yesterday. At this point, we'll see, you know, if those are able to sustain this morning um, as we go forward. Again, just still, you know, a tremendous amount of concerns over what's happening in Russia. But again, we kind of come back and we go, well, what is it that, you know, is the impact to markets, finances, et cetera, you know, in, in, in the future, right? How does, how does Russia impact the earnings of Apple versus ExxonMobil? How does Russia impact the earnings of Microsoft versus, you know, Procter and Gamble, as an example. And those are things that we need to think about in our portfolio. And what exposure do we have and what will those impacts be? Now, obviously, for energy companies, they are printing money at this point because of high oil prices. And that's good, right? If you're in the energy business, it's good. Of course, you know, just two years ago, energy companies were looking at negative oil prices. You know, so to go from negative energy prices to $120 a barrel is pretty amazing, right? But there's an impact to that. As we talked about earlier, that's going to impact consumption, uh, that's going to impact spending, psychology. This morning, we're going to get the National Federation of Independent Business. This is the survey of small businesses. Now, they're expecting that small business sentiment ticked up last month. Somehow I doubt that's going to be the case. I have a sneaky suspicion that we're probably going to have a disappointing small business outlook considering what is going on, not only in terms of just the whole Russia headline situation, but just simply that the cost, the input costs, wage cost pressures, et cetera, for these small businesses has gotten worse. It hasn't gotten better. So not – I will be surprised, shall we say, if we see an uptick in small business sentiment today. Disappointment is likely in the cards. But this feeds through to what our kind of our article is today. You know, analysts were very exuberant, even at the beginning of this year, about earnings. Historically speaking, going back, earnings tend to run on a peak-to-peak basis. So from peak earnings to to the next peak earnings cycle tends to run at about 6% growth from peak-to-peak. Analyst estimates right now are well above that exponential growth peak in earnings, which simply just suggests that they're just way over-optimistic about what earnings are going to be this year and next year. And those are going to have to come down, and they always do. Our analysts always start out high, and they just continue to ratchet ratchet down earnings until we actually get into earnings season. But given the fact that you now have these exogenous influences on the markets in terms of high inflationary pressures and now high oil prices, wages, of course, also weighing on profit margins as all these things are having to be factored in by corporations all at the same time. So as we, you know, as as companies are dealing with what their input costs are, those input costs are going up, right? Energy, is as we talked about before, is a, a huge impact. I was driving past um, a, a gas station this morning, and it said regular unleaded, three eighty nine a gallon. Diesel was four thirty five. Now, you remember when we used to all run around and buy diesel cars because they were cheaper than, than gas cars? <laughs> Not the case anymore. <laughs> but these those impacts, right? So when you think about diesel, even more than just gasoline and oil, right? But if you're shipping goods or, or products anywhere in the country, it's an 18-wheeler, diesel-driven, right? So that cost, those higher fuel costs, higher trucker labor cost, higher, uh, you know, cost on manufacturing of products. Because, again, if I'm a, if I'm a company that assembles a product, I'm buying I'm buying parts from other people and those energy costs are getting embedded into those prices. And, and the, the, the thing that becomes problematic for the economy is when corporations can't pass on those higher costs to consumers. And we can see that happening right now if we, and, and I've published this chart a few times, but we take a look at the differential between the producer price index. So this is the inflation rate for producers versus the rate of inflation for consumers, the CPI index. So we, we take a look at the differential between those two indexes, and we have a record differential in terms of the price producer price index to the consumer price index. Now, when that happens, what that tells you is is that producers can't pass on their inflation to consumers because otherwise they would be the same. They'd be going up at the same rate if they were fully passing us on. So corporations are having to retain this inflation on their books. Now, if I'm having to retain inflation and I can't pass it on to my consumer, which means that I can only raise prices so much to remain competitive, That means I'm having to eat some of that inflation in terms of my profit margins on my side, which means profit margins have to come down, which means earnings come down. That is yet to be fully factored in. Now, we're starting to already see earnings revised down. In January, the 2023 end-of-year earnings were estimated between $230 and 240, $230 and $240 a share for the S&P 500s by the end of, of 2023. That's now down to about $200 already. So those numbers are already coming down fairly sharply, and they're going to get worse as we go forward. Peak earnings were probably last quarter, and that was all of that stimulus-driven activity, <clears throat> excuse me, that occurred from the $1,400 checks to households, $900 check to households, et cetera. All that stimulus-fueled buying, right? That fueled in, and, and basically we sent $5 trillion to consumers. They turned around and sent $5 trillion into companies' profit margins. So we've probably seen the peak of earnings growth for companies, at least for the time being. And if we're right and the impact of higher oil prices and higher labor costs and higher fuel costs and higher food costs and all those other costs that are going up began to cramp consumption we're going to see a much slower rate of economic growth by the end of this year and that's certainly going to weigh on margins and outlooks for companies and that's certainly going to weigh on market prices now, having said that, you know, this is where, you know, stock picking is going to be much more important because there's a lot of companies right now that are that are out there that are already beaten down 50, 60, 70, 80%. So a lot of these companies have already been reduced in price to account for expectations of slower growth in the future. But this is going to weigh on markets. In other words, markets are unlikely to have, you know, a a strong rally from here. Again, markets are oversold enough now that we're likely to have a reflexive rally. And that rally will probably get us back to somewhere around the 50-day moving average, somewhere in there. And then we'll have the next leg of whatever's going to happen. Now, again, this is all assuming that everything remains status quo. I want to put that caveat in there because... If things can change, predicting anything out the rest of this year is very difficult. So things can change if we get relief, right? We need relief somewhere. We need lower oil prices. We need Russia to to resolve itself. We need the Federal Reserve to uh, be a little bit more market friendly. Things can change. And if things begin to change, then outlooks are going to change. But if everything remains the way it is right now, we are rapidly pushing the economy towards recession that's a problem for the fed you know one of the biggest risks for the fed is always to be caught at the zero bound in a recession because they have their one policy tool which is to lower interest rates to help stimulate the economy that's really the only policy tool that has any effect on the economy in terms of consumer psychology but you're already at zero So if the economy quickly dips into a recession and the Federal Reserve has not increased interest rates at all, they have no policy tool really to work with other than restarting QE and and trying to bail out markets that way. But that bails out the stock market. That doesn't help the economy. There's really no translation between quantitative easing programs and economic activity. So we're going to be talking, and so you're going to hear the Fed talk a lot about at that point about more fiscal programs from government. We need the government to step in, provide more capital, and that's where we're going to go back to MMT and all that other type of stuff to try to bail out the next recession. But that will be worse if the Federal Reserve is caught at zero. It's really, for lack of a better term, a race against the clock right now for the Federal Reserve. All right, wraps up the show for today. Be back tomorrow with market updates. See how we work out today. Uh, Again, markets are going to try to open flat this morning. We'll see uh, if they can kind of uh, stabilize. This will be important after yesterday's sell-off, and we'll go from there. Have a great day. Be back tomorrow. Get by the website. Get our latest blog posts and more. It's all at RealInvestmentAdvice.com. See you then.
0: It's a world.
2: It's a rich man's world.